This program is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you like what you hear and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm. Good afternoon and welcome to Sweet 212 an in-depth look at the political and social issues surrounding the arts. Here at Resonance 104.4 FM, London's boldest and brightest radio station. I'm your host, Lara Alonso Corona. Today I will be talking to Adam Julowski about the Lunar Trilogy, the visionary science fiction book by Jerzy Julowski, written at the beginning of the 20th century, and about On the Silver Globe, the film adaptation by Andrzej Julowski from 1977. Uh, Adam is the grandson of the author uh, Jer- Jerzy Julowski. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, please correct me. Um, Adam is also uh, a writer and editor for Culture PL. Yes. And he's uh, one of the people responsible for the podcast uh, stories from the Western East. Fr- with from the Eastern West. From the Eastern West. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Which we will discuss later. So, hello, Adam. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks yeah. for having me on the show. Thank you for being here. Um, I prepared this episode because in the um, last edition of uh, Kinoteca, the London Police Film Festival, there was a special screening, an exhibition dedicated to Andrzej Julowski's adaptation of the Lunar Trilogy. Uh, and I wanted to know, uh, Adam, uh, when did you become aware of these books? Like growing up, where there's something, did you know that... In your family, there was this big, epic science fiction. Uh, yeah, the, I, w- I was very much aware of... Um, I mean, I was told a lot about how my grandfather was a writer and a philosopher and, and did all this stuff. And, and uh, the, the films... Well, the film... Uh, obviously, I had heard of it as a kid. Um, didn't really talk to Andrzej about it ever. Uh, but uh, it was... I mean, it was well known. Uh, but, but more the books is, uh, is what I remember having a discussion about as, when I was younger. Um, because that was because that was my father's father yeah. uh so you know that would that was a much more closer to our personal family line for example i mean andre was our, our my second cousin uh so i'm sure in his for him and his sons that you know there was it was more the film but for for my family and i it was more the books that, mm. that were w- when important. did you first uh, read the books uh i've only read the first one i've full disclosure but i can still discuss the other ones because i've 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 skimmed through them and i know and i do know them fairly well uh but the first one i read it must have been 10 years ago i think about 10 years ago uh because generally uh, reading polish i tend to do uh when i'm trying to translate and i remember i decided that the book should be translated we had a translation that my father had uh commissioned uh years ago in the 70s i think and i uh i took it upon myself to to go through it and try and prove it with the original text um but nothing came of it because i wasn't getting paid for it <laughs> so uh i went and found a job uh yeah um yeah because the books haven't been translated into english no no i mean we have that we have that one version but it needs a lot of work i think uh and the other two haven't been translated at all uh, and no, it's 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 been available many many editions in Polish, uh, but it's also been released in Russian, Hungarian, uh, German, and Czech as well. I think. Uh, so generally, you're sort of uh, Central Eastern European languages. 
It's, I, I think it's a shame that we can't, uh, you know, people like me can't read it. So maybe from here, from Suite 212, we can start a plea. So please, some brave publisher could maybe, you know, yeah, that'd be get nice. this translated. That would be great. Like, let's start that ball rolling. Um, you know, first, uh, before we talk who, we, hope we speak about who, you know, the author was, maybe you can, you know, tell us a bit about the plot of the books mm-hmm. in general terms. Okay. So, uh, Jerzy Żuławski, he was born in 1874 on Valentine's Day in, uh, in what was then, what was then Austria, I guess, uh, because this, these books were written in a very specific period, which was when essentially he, he was identified as Polish, but uh, Poland didn't exist at the time. And this had a massive influence on the books that were written uh, generally in this period, uh, for, for that region. The trilogy itself uh, was written in 1901, the first part. Uh, it was published in a series of uh, newspapers, uh, much like many things in the uh, 19th century. Um, I think Dickens, everything he published was yeah. from like, newspapers first, wasn't it? Uh, so it was, it was first serialised in 1901. I think it came out as a book in 1903. And that's the, the first part, the On the Silver Globe uh, section, because... The three books is on the Silver Globe, then there's The Conqueror, and the third one is The Old Earth. And in the film that Andre made, he kind of puts all three together. I think the original plan was to, to make three films or, or make two films and, and try and get the whole trilogy in. But obviously, you know the story, Laura. Uh, it, that, that didn't quite happen yeah. uh, because of uh, certain reasons that we'll probably go into yeah. later. Uh, but... But what are like the books so people can know okay. a bit about the plot? <laughs> okay, yes, of course. So the uh, the books are about a failed mission to the moon. Uh, so these are f- about five or six people are sent to the moon, but they crash there, and then uh, some of them die, and they and they go in this desperate race to survive by going to the other side of the moon because this toyed with this theory at the time that on the other side of the moon it was a livable environment. Um, my grandfather knew this wasn't factually true, but he wanted to use it for, you know, to create a sort of, uh, 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 what's it called? Um, a narrative tool. And he, uh, so these guys, uh, crash and the first third of, uh, on the silver globe, the first part, the first book is them just trying to survive and get to this, uh, habit habitat, which is livable in. Uh, and on the way, it, it doesn't go very well, frankly. Uh, some horrible things happen. And by the end, only three of them uh, get there. Uh, and the second second half of the book is what happens when uh, they there and they live on this beach, but they've had one of them's had a baby, and they start and they start noticing that the children grow very quickly, and then they start multiplying. And the original three astronauts, they have this love triangle going on, uh, but they're having children at the same time. And and it gets, it gets very depressing. I'll, I'll tell you that much. And by the end of that that first part of that second chapter this, of this of this of on the silver globe, there's only one astronaut left, and and there's just a load of these uh, descendants from his uh, former uh, crew uh, of the of the uh, spaceship, and he is treated like a god by all these uh, descendants, and they call him the old man. And uh, and they and they and they listen to his tales of you know the old Earth where where he came from and they don't really believe him, and he kind of gets incredibly depressed because he he sees them sort of creating this this um, 
religion that doesn't really make any sense. It isn't based on what he says, even though he, he obviously he says, you know, uh, I have proof. I have like here's here's my watch or whatever. Uh, I can prove to you where did this come from. We didn't make this. So obviously, the old Earth must exist. And but eventually, he gets very depressed, and he uh, and he. Uh, he goes to the other side of the moon where he, to die, and he and he sends his diary because it's all written as a diary from his perspective. So the whole thing is full of these sort of uh, yearning asides about his feelings, and he sends he sends his diary to um, to Earth. And so so actually the introduction of the of the book is they say oh we found this uh, missive from the moon oh how, isn't this interesting let's just look at what, what yeah we like a framing tool for a the framing home. tool yeah, yeah. so. Uh, and that's the first book. The second book is set a few centuries later, I think, or not even the century. But the, but the thing is, time passes a lot more quickly on the moon. So when the the a new astronaut called Marek is sent to, well, he he decides he wants to go on an adventure. Essentially, uh, he goes there, uh, and he finds this very broad. Uh, wide-ranging civilization uh with all sorts of strange new customs and he when he arrives there he is treated like a god like a, a new messiah has has come to save them from the uh the uh native moon people called the Sherns. uh and he and they treat him as some sort of savior that is going to save them from the oppression of these uh of these aliens well moon moon and nights is that a word i don't know that's from the, the natives from the moon. Yeah, the natives <laughs> of the moon. Uh, so, and then in the third part, because, sorry, this is quite a long description, because there are three books, and this is written no, over many I, years. I think it's important to understand the themes of, yeah. you know. Uh, and in the third part, uh, that is when uh, these two of the moon, uh, these, they're called Selenites, the descendants of the astronauts, uh, an actor and a scientist, well, what they, they call themselves a scientist, uh, and they find a rocket... Uh, to go back, they find um, the, the Messiah's uh, rocket, how he got to the moon, and they, they get in and they accidentally send themselves back to Earth. And when they get there, they have all sorts of adventures, mainly of the kind where they are sort of, they're treated, because they're, they're very small people, and they're treated like pygmies, essentially, as, the, as just like, because it's all, we'll get into this, but it's a, a sort of commentary on how we treat uh, people from other countries. Uh, and... Uh, and they have and they have a very strange adventures, but at the same time, the earth itself has gotten to this technological point where everything is so technocratic, there is no art and there's nobody trying to progress in any sort of meaningful way. And communism has taken over everything and it's destroyed everything. And it's important to remember this was written in nineteen oh nine. So this is eight years before the October Revolution. So uh, my grandfather had, could already see that it wasn't going to work out, uh, and it's about um, somebody. Threat somebody then threatens to destroy the world with uh, an atom bomb mm. as well. Uh, and it, yeah, so it, it, there's a lot of stuff going on in these three books. What I, what I find really curious is that um, you know these books. Uh, obviously, the characters in the books are uh, Polish. Yes. And so it imagines a future where, you know, police people are going to colonize the moon or planets. But they were written at the moment when, you know, Poland technically didn't exist yes. as a country. And maybe some of our listeners don't know why that was. So if you could get some background on why Poland yeah. wasn't. Yeah. So at the time, uh, in the early 1900s, when this was written, 
there was no uh, Poland. Poland had been uh, partitioned in 1795 by Austria, Hungary, Russia and Prussia. Uh, the majority being taken by Russia, um, and all those former Polish, f- former Polish, well, former Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth lands, because it was called the PLC, let's call it, um, which is a very large. It was one of the largest states in um, in his, in Europe historically, uh, but it was um, it was politically quite weak, and all these, and it was quite because it was so large, it, it couldn't really defend itself from these more aggressive empires. Uh, so it got uh, taken over. Uh, but Poland didn't exist for over 100 years. And during this entire 19th century, there were constant uh, attempts at trying to bring back Poland onto the map. And they didn't go very well. Uh, they were, uh, there was one in, uh, there was an uprising in 1830, 1863. And all, uh, those are the two biggest ones. And after both, uh, many people were exiled, sent to Siberia. I mean, we talk about in you know the Second World War and during Soviet times where people were sent to gulags in Siberia, but this was actually being done in the 19th century, <laughs> way before the communists around the, the czarists were doing it as well. And uh, uh, so Poland at the time didn't exist. So this is and it, it was it, it was essentially a colonized country. So what my grandfather did was he inversed this and he made Poland the colonizers. He 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 made it. And imagined a, a whole planet, as it were, being colonized by people speaking the Polish language, a sort of a, a cultural colonization, because he was he was experiencing this issue where the Prussian, Austrian and Russian empire, they were trying to culturally colonize, not only, well, you know, obviously government, the government had colonized them, but they were also being oppressed culturally uh, in the Russian Empire, for example, uh, which is in what is now uh, Eastern Poland. Uh, there was a massive ban on Polish. People weren't allowed to teach Polish, speak Polish. Uh, everything was uh, treated. It was treated as if it didn't really. It, ha- it had never existed. Almost. Uh, it was even called that that part of Russia, which they called the province. It was called the land of the Vistula, which is the name of the river which separates the large river that goes through Poland, and it sort of separated uh, uh, the Russian Empire border to the other empires. And uh, it was, you know, with this uh, background that, you know, your grandfather wrote uh, these books. Yeah. And he was uh, part of kind of an artistic movement, uh, Young Poland. Yes. So Young Poland was, uh, it's, it's, it's a modernist movement. Uh, it was, uh, and the center of it was in Zakopanem, what now the Polish mountains. And at the time was the Austrian in the Austrian Empire. The Austrians were of of all the occupying powers were the most lenient, uh, or at least, or at least uh, not directly ag- aggressive. And there was one one part where they just didn't bother going and didn't really hassle anybody, which was uh, Zakopane. Uh, I think because it was a bit high and it was a bit of a pain to to get up there, uh, so they only really went as far as uh, Newmarket or Novitark in the foothills. Uh, so all these in Zakopane in the in the late 1800s, early 1900s, all these Polish people would go uh, there to sort of uh, find time to uh, don't feel, to not feel oppressed and and explore their Polish culture. They would climb mountains together. They would write things, uh, paint, uh, all sorts of things, and, and there was a huge community was created of uh, artists, uh, theatre uh, playwrights. 
authors, poets, philosophers, and my grandfather and my grandmother uh, were both very important parts of this. Uh, people would stay at their house all the time because they lived up there. Uh, they also lived in Krakow sometimes, but the, spent most of their time in Zakopane. My my father was he he, he spent his entire childhood in Zakopane, uh, and they and they had people living at, uh, at the house all the time. All these very now well known to to Polish people, these uh, very well known authors and poets, artists. So, for example, uh, there's a there's a very famous. In Poland, you know, world famous in Poland. I know. <laughs> you know, uh, there's a, a guy called Stanisław Wyspiański. He was, uh, he, his, his paintings are very iconic of the Young Poland movement and his plays, uh, such as The Wedding, uh, are all, all still today. They, they, they're put on everywhere in Polish theatres, recreated, new versions because it's so influential. I think there was film yeah, versions. Even made. I know The Wedding, so yeah. that's a big one, yeah. Yeah, but, but there you go. Uh, so there was... Uh, he was one, and there was also Witkatze, who was this. He was very influential on photography and painting, and he was kind of the wild child of Polish art, and he's still celebrated as this wild child. All his photos are just completely bizarre from his early 1900s, and and he and yeah, he yeah because in the like in the event that we just been to in the uh, horse hospital yeah uh, you show uh, some of the photography that you know this uh, artist uh, took and it was absolutely wild maybe you could describe kind of you know yes. his style so for, so for example he 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 was very interested in in taking his uh, photographs of himself Uh, which wasn't very properly done and he would take a series of photographs and each one he would pull a really strange face or he would put a cigarette in his mouth like like hanging off his lip and he, and he was trying to sort of show these different sides of personality i i i think he was also he 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 kind of liked that sort of bad boy persona as it were um and there's we have on our, our site culture pl on the error page Uh, if you click on you get a 404 page and it has a picture of him and his coat is over his head like p p pretending he's a monster attacking somebody on a by a lake uh, so he's very iconic maybe that was inspiration for the monsters in the lunar trilogy uh, maybe yeah maybe uh, and he also uh, he's also famous for he he took uh he did portraits of he painted portraits of people but uh he would often do them on different drugs and he and he kind of used these uh Uh, paintings as as a he was seeing what effect these different drugs had on his painting style so he would sign he would sign in the corner his name and then he would also write the name of the drug he did i was looking at um the book uh, of the letters to my grandmother uh this morning and i and i saw he wrote in some letter talking about how he'd taken ethanol that morning and then in another in another letter he 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 was just He was uh, swearing to her that he'd stopped drinking because he didn't want to he wanted to affect so her. He was kind or... of a Polish picnic, uh, you know, many years before the Beat Generation. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, very, mu oh yeah, very much a, a Beat Generation sort of figure. I, I think it, when there was a, a sort of in the 60s and 70s, he was seen as an inspiration. I think today he's seen as a countercultural in, uh, inspiration uh, to many people. Uh, and he, but he is. Yeah, so I think, for example, that's definitely something that's in the books and the films because they have all the, this sort of like the people taking drugs and having strange effects. Vikata was a very, you know, he, you know, Yeji was hanging out with him and he was doing these sorts of things. Uh, and then there was uh, also another person from that period was uh, Bronisław Malinowski. Also, he was the most one of the most important figures in anthropology for everybody who studies anthropology all over the world. Uh, has to look at stuff by Malinowski, find out how he it changed anthropology. Before him, people were writing books about uh, other parts of the world, 
without even exploring them. They were basically writing using hearsay, uh, and very, was, there was no scientific empirical investigation, as it were. And he and he pioneered going over uh, to living to, in, with the tribes and seeing what life was like to be actually part of that tribe. So now we take that for granted with shows like Tribe, you know, Bruce Parry's thing. Uh, and but this was actually pioneered by by Malinowski, and, and obviously that influenced your grandfather because I mean I haven't read the books but in the movie there's a very anthropological side to it. It's full of it. It's absolutely full of anthropological references. I think uh, I, I haven't studied anthropology but I know people who have and they tell me when they watch the film it's just it's just full of stuff that there's almost nods really to anthropological know-how and Malinowski. Uh, so that's another influence. I mean. Uh, Actually, a funny story. Malinowski went to Papua New Guinea, uh, and he was li- and when he, but he invited Vidkata to go live with him. And I think during the during the when the First World War broke out, they were both in Papua New Guinea with tribes. Uh, so you know, um, uh, uh, you know, these books were written. And how was the reception when they came out? Okay, so the reception was generally really positive, uh, except that what. Uh, Uh, okay, so you have to remember at the time, 1901, 1903, uh, Jules Verne had been around for a couple of decades and he was very popular. And his his stuff was sort of this like big adventure, you know, hooray, we're going underwater, fantastic. Let's see what's down there, awesome. Uh, and then once it got to about 1900, the, the genre was changing a bit. So you had also people like H.G. Wells, who was also tackling uh, the effects of technology. Uh, he He was actually writing at the same time Uh, the Voyage to the Moon uh, book, which was, I think, almost almost exactly the same time being published in, uh, in English papers as as uh, Jerzy's book was being published in Polish papers, and uh, he he also has this sort of te- technological. You know, I'm not sure about technology. It might actually take us down these like slightly scary ways. I mean, if you read, you know, the Time Machine, that makes you worry about the future. Uh, but I think uh, because Jerzy was in a You know, trying to be Polish in a place where Polish was kind of banned, and everything was every every kind of uprising that happened had been crushed. He, he took it to an extra sort of depressing level that hadn't been hadn't really been taken on by other people. And also, and also, that's another important thing to say is that this is the first time any Polish writer had done a, a science fiction. It was a it was the first attempt at the genre. So he really he really changed it for that half of Europe. I mean, Jules Verne was in France, H.G. Wells was in England. Uh, I think the other uh, there's the other well-known Hugo guy, but that was like decades later. Um, so I think it's it's important to note that he he was at this time when he was trying to think about the future. He was really depressed about the future, uh, and also he was really influenced by the colonialism that was he'd experienced and and everybody he knew had experienced. And he was also, but he was also ex- influenced by all the all the interesting characters around him that were trying to uh, trying to keep. A sort of Polish, uh, you know, a Polish thread of culture within still alive because you know, like I said, in Russia that was being completely crushed. Um, uh, but they were trying to make sure that there was still some sort of record of this stuff. So um, uh, the books were then very influential because we have the example of Stanislaw Lem, who is probably the mm-hmm. you know most famous uh, Polish writer in the West, mainly because of uh, the Tarkovsky film Solaris, based on his novel. So maybe yes. you could talk about how he was influenced by the Lunar Trilogy. Okay, so in the 1956 edition of the of the of On the Silver Globe, the books, uh, there's an introduction by Stanisław Lem, 
who by that point had already become a respected writer, uh, very popular. And he and he explained how he remembers as a child these were the first sort of books that really activated his interest towards science fiction, and they really inspired him to get into the genre. So I think it's when we look at uh, Stanislaw Lem's work, he spent all these decades writing these books, and he, the reason he did it was, you know, as a child, he he was he became fascinated by what my grandfather had written. And so I feel, we wouldn't have Solaris and all. We this would not have Solaris. Or... <laughs> we wouldn't have that without him. Uh, he. And I think that's, uh, I feel very proud of that, actually, uh, that somehow my family has Im has influenced science fiction in that way. Uh, as And, you know, all these different filmmakers have, have made uh, adaptations of Lem, and I think there's going to be continuing to be, I, I think there's going to be a centenary of Lem's birth in a couple of years, and I think there's going to be a few events around the world to celebrate that, uh, which could be interesting. Uh, but yeah, Lem also obviously was, he influenced American writers, for example. Uh, Philip K. Dick famously uh, accused Stanislaw Lem of being a, not just a single communist, but a whole committee of communists. Uh, because obviously he, he thought Lem was too was too good to just be one man which is a great great compliment even yeah, though I, I love the story that he yeah. was so jealous of how good them was that he thought he couldn't be just one yeah, so like, no 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 this is a this is a, a communist conspiracy it's a whole committee trying to trying to take over our minds but you know it's a whole committee not just one just not just one man you know so uh, you know I, I find that quite funny but obviously uh, as you as you probably know that uh, philip k dick was was going through some interesting uh interesting uh, mental episodes uh, in the mid-70s as well. So, But uh, I think that still counts as, as a strong opinion. <laughs> yeah, I think it's obvious, like, the influence yeah. of them on, you know, Philip K. Dick um, on uh, Frank Herbert when he wrote Dune. Mm. Dune is one of the books that normally get compared to On the Silver Globe to, yeah. the, to the movie. Um, which I think, you know, I'm not a fan of Dune, but, you know, yeah, there are certain themes of like prophecy and uh, responsibility and you know that are really very similar to both uh, stories uh yeah i think so I, i agree with that yeah um is there you know anything else you want to talk about the book before we go on to them uh uh it's it's pretty good and uh, hopefully yeah there'll be an english version one day so all the listeners can actually enjoy it for themselves if they don't speak czech german russian Oh, yeah, hopefully <laughs> one day soon. Um, you are listening to Suite 212 here at Resonance FM, and this is Lara Alonso Corona talking to Adam Julowski about the science fiction epic On the Silver Globe and its relationship to the broader history of Poland and Polish cinema. And now we can you know, talk about the film adaptation by Andrzej Julowski. Mm -hmm. He he was your second cousin? Yeah, he was my second cousin. Our grandfathers were brothers. His grandfather was Swavomir. And well, mine was Jerzy, obviously. Yeah. yeah, and I personally don't want to wax uh, poetic on this, but, you know, just to say that he, I think he was one of the greatest film directors of all time, and he's a personal favorite of mine. And if any of the listeners are interested in his filmography, I could recommend a podcast called Daughters of Darkness, by Sam Deegan and Kat Ellinger, and they did a four-episode retrospective on the whole uh, filmography of, of Yulowski. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I've, it's, I've got it's, to check that out. It's very good. It's very in-depth. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, uh, had you seen the, you know, the Restore movie before, you know, last uh, 
weekend at the Hawks no, Hospital. No, no. Okay, so the last time I, I watched the film was uh, in 2010 or 2011, I think it was, when it was shown at the Tate Modern. And it was shown with Anjay there giving a Q&A. And that was the first time I'd watched it because it was actually quite hard to come by. And, I, I you know, I also Anjay, he was quite... You know, I, I didn't see him that often when I was growing up. And also, from what I understood, he was a bit sensitive about his work. He, I think he was really, he was really keen for uh, everybody to really enjoy his work. I, I, we have, I have stories of my, um, my cousin and uh, his now wife when they were watching. They were staying with Anjay and, they, and, he said, and, he, and he said, oh, well, do you want to watch a film? You have to watch one of my films. <laughs> and he put it on. And then he basically just watched them watching it just to check their reaction to see if they really appreciated it. So, you know, he, he was a very determined filmmaker and he, he was very perfectionist. And I think that's, you know... That the, shows. That the, definitely the shows, yeah. His, I mean, in the film as well, the, the amount of effort, perfectionism. I mean, it seems so insane now. But when, when you hear about what the stuff they did to make that film, it's just... You know, and, and you have uh, read the books before watching the film. Yeah, I was oh. fam I was familiar with the books before uh, watching and what, the film. What did you think of the film? Uh, well, the film is is quite different. I mean, firstly, I think in the uh, in the original film, uh, in the original book, the main character is called Jan Koretsky, but Andrzej changed it to Jerzy Koretsky because I think he wanted to refer to my grandfather, uh, which I which is one noticing of what's but what's uh, what I also really have to note is the fact that the first the first book is written as a sort of diary and what Andrzej did very cleverly was he decided that the first part that that covers the first book should be shot from first person perspective and now I think that is completely it was revolutionary at the time I mean I the first time I think of somebody shooting from somebody's perspective is the Blair Witch Project. There was probably yeah. something earlier than that. I mean, yeah, it but, was a bit like the Blair Witch Project on the moon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, 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 it's a really fantastic uh, uh, device to use. But I, you know, I, I can't think of anything. I'm, I'm not, I'm not the biggest movie, you know, uh, knowledgeable person in the world. But I, I remember thinking like, I don't remember seeing that before. Uh, another thing that I was blown away by is how. Also, another thing about the camera work is when there's a scene where the beach is just exploding and the camera is running through these explosions. Yeah, I don't know how they did that. I just, I just, I feel, I, you know, I forgot to ask Andrzej at the event, like, did were you the guy running through the explosions? Because how did you, you know, were, were they insured for that? Because I mean, something terrible could have happened. I don't think they, they were insured. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the, the restoration, because I had seen the movie before, but in really one of these bootleg, you know, copies. Yeah, were, uh, you know, cheap VHS like where yeah. it's all scratchy and yeah. yeah so you know seeing it on the biggest screen and the restoration it was just really you know breathtaking um it's it's a beautiful restoration and maybe we mm. can talk about Daniel Bird here oh yeah 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 sure yeah because he's uh he worked uh, really close to, with uh, Julowski for the restoration yeah. yeah so Daniel Daniel uh years ago he he because he, he was really interested in Polish film and he sought out Andrzej because he, he, he saw his films and he really thought, not enough people know about this guy's films. I'm going to go meet the guy, which is a very interesting, ambitious thing to do. And when he met Andrzej, uh, I can't remember how he tracked him down. but he, I think he just uh, rang up, phone one of actually your, you know, your family. and you know. That's possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I, know, I definitely remember meeting him when I was a teenager, actually, uh, years ago. Uh, he, he was in our house in London and, and he was just asking us all sorts of stuff. Um, but he, 
uh, he started talking to Anjo and, and he just and him and Anjo decided that they would start working together uh, and and he would help Anjay with for example subtitles on his films like he did the subtitles for Cosmos but also he would he was trying to help Anjay produce new films and they have and he has a load of different stories about uh, scripts that they uh, had worked on uh, you know, even older ones that uh, Anjay pulled out of you know a, a drawer, dusty drawer, and 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 Daniel was trying to make make these things happen. He was seeking up uh, you know companies that would work on these films. Uh, unfortunately, not everything happened uh, for different reasons. Everything has a different reason. All these different, but some incredible projects that that hopefully almost happened. You know, and Daniel was very very passionate about it, and he's still promoting Anjay's work today which yeah, are he's, he's promoting all sorts of uh, especially eastern european films like he's been involved in the restoration of uh, the color of pomegranates yeah. of uh, hard to be a god yeah. which is kind of reminiscent of on the silver globe in a in a kind of way mm. that science fiction epic that is also very dark um you know very Imaginative? Have you haven't seen? No, uh, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I recommend that. Um, Daniel was involved um, on that. Um, maybe we can talk now about you know the shooting of on the Silver Globe mm -hmm. and kind of the background of um, Andrei Julowski because by that time he wasn't in Poland. He was in France because he had been kind of kicked out of Poland. Yeah, so he'd, he'd made two Polish films before, uh, The Third Part of the Night and The Devil, and both and both were kind of uh, seen as controversial, especially The Devil. Um, worth watching, worth looking up. Um, and then uh, he went to France, he made a couple films there, and he was kind of... And, and then stuff didn't quite go as he was wanting there either, because essentially he was, he was a incredibly... He was a very visionary person, and he and he had a and he very particular way he wanted to make films. And and whenever you make any sort of uh, big creative project, there's always different uh, people and different interested parties trying to affect what you do. I think this was something that he struggled with. And his films are really personal because, for example, uh, the third part of the night, his debut, was about uh, the experiences of his father during the yes. Second World War. Yeah, his father helped. Uh, was one of these people that did all these tests for I can't remember the name of the disease, but they he, he had to for the typhus. Typhus, yeah. yeah. So he, for, they were trying to find a vaccine to typhus, and and they were injecting these different versions of typhus into uh, parasites and putting them on people, and this was kind of and uh, and it and when when Andrew released the film, apparently they thought this was just something made up, but it was a real experience that happened to Miroslav, his father, uh, uh, and they would yeah. So all these people. I think uh, we're being tested on to try and find a, a cure to typhus. I mean, I, you know, there's something that would never happen today. I mean, I, I mean, obviously there are these interesting drug trials, but I think they're a bit safer now, you know. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it was. So he was using already a story of his father, and then he was using, and he was also using stories about himself throughout his throughout all his films. And this is. This is very visible in some of his later works, and it's also visible in on the Silver Globe. Uh, for example, uh, in the in the third, in, near the end, he he has he uh, the characters, the character Marek and character Yatek have these relationships with women that uh, cheat on them, uh, and and I and I think that was and the, and the stuff they say to them afterwards, you know, oh how dare you do this to me, and and that just sounds like pure Anjay being angry at his uh, yeah because he was uh, separating or divorcing from his uh, wife. Yeah, he he, he was uh, he. Uh, he'd broken up with um, 
Margaret Luther Brownack, uh, who had uh, who was married to, and they, and he he they broken up like half a year or like not 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 very long just before they they start working on on the Silver Globe. Yeah. And he said he was uh, really lonely at that time, and that kind of you know made him feel closer to you know the novels of of uh, Jersey. Yeah. And that's why he decided to. <laughs> so, so the loneliness of the character of the guy is like, oh, I'm surrounded by all these kids of of my friends, and I, I have nobody to talk to. Uh, I think that's a commentary. Uh, Andre felt close to that. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. But uh, he was invited to come back to Poland because he had been basically told to go away after uh, the devil. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, he was so successful in France with the film uh, L'Importance d'Amour. Yeah. Uh, the most important thing, Love, uh, which was uh, one of his most accessible films, I think, and one that often gets recommended that this is the first film of his uh, use of the words. Yeah, a good introductory film for mm-hmm. Jaworski, yeah. And it won awards. It, it was a big hit. So the police government said... Uh, well, you could come back and maybe if you do a film for us, maybe we can, you know, uh, screen The Devil, which he was really uh, proud of. Oh, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, but he, yeah, he was, I think he was a bit surprised about about the offer, but he he took it up. I mean, there was, it was the amount of money they wanted to fund, which is because it was, he was trying to do something in, in the same way that the, the book was this completely new, uh, new thing for the, for the region first polish sci-fi book this was going to be the first polish sci-fi film that on this on this scale as like an uh, grand opera i mean you have these other smaller films but this this is this was something else i mean it was just it's just you know epic on on a scale that is just no, was it's, unseen it's before it's amazing if you see the you know the result on a screen i don't think if you haven't watched it like if our listeners haven't watched it you can really imagine how strange it looks how it's different though for to anything else and it was made on a really small budget oh yeah i mean it was made on on a on a communist poland budget i think that's <laughs> the best way to put it um uh in the 70s uh there was it was the country was very was pretty much crippled economically and everybody was doing everything uh on the smallest tightest budget there were queues everywhere for stuff uh so for example when they were making the film they had this issue where you know they needed they needed to buy nails for the for for a scene with nails in it uh, i don't want to spoil it <laughs> uh but you know they you know there was no nails around you know there was or the, where they had to go to three towns over and there was a queue to buy them or you know they were running out and and the whole thing it was just uh, there was no access to resources it just it every it made everything take so long because there was you know in, infrastructure in the eastern bloc and also when they went over to uh, mongolia which i think then was part of the soviet union uh, you know this is all they just had no resources. They just had to make do with what they had, which is. Uh, which, and when you see it on screen, it's very impressive. Because it it feels very, you know, kind of do-it-yourself uh, futurism, but it's really, really convincing. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, have you seen uh, Peter Jackson's first film, Brain Dead? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, which is done on a budget as well, but it's the same thing where it looks like something crazy has happened, but I think it was done. It was basically just done a lot of really passionate people. You know, on the Silver Globe, when you when you talk to Andrzej Jaroszewicz or Grzegorz Dylag or any of the people that worked on it, they talk about how they were all so focused on trying to make something special, and how they were. You know, Andrzej was this because he was so visionary and so perfectionist, and he and and they and and that really inspired them to also 
do the same thing it wasn't it was there was nothing casual about it it was everybody's life had changed you know they were living these random parts they were li- they all moved to mongolia for example for 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 all these months or they were living on on the beach in northern poland or they were filming in the mines <laughs> filming in the mines i mean if you if you go to poland Lara, you have to go it's a, it's a it's a it's a you know it's a, it's a unesco world heritage site it's it's very fantastic the village mines but it's huge those cavernous places the the where the place where they actually shot for the film th- those aren't accessible to the public anymore i think you know maybe they could do it i think daniel and yaroshevich went there to film something special for the exhibition and it, it was like a really long shot like they were uh, shooting like for two years before they got the call and maybe you can talk about what happened why was the movie yeah. not finished so okay so they've been working on this film uh they they were filming in all sorts of places across the eastern bloc in the soviet union they were all exhausted putting everything into it and then one day uh there was a change of management in the ministry of culture and this guy came in uh that he became the new uh uh he he'd been the vice uh vice minister and now the minute and he became the minister uh, and because he would, had been previously arguing with the former minister on his first day in the job he cancelled the film he, because the uh, former uh, minister of culture had been kind of you know more lax yeah. towards uh, cinema yeah he he he'd been he'd been a lot more uh uh what's the expression uh relaxed about how um uh, letting things being produced i think i think he recognized that maybe there was give people a chance to do something interesting because there are moments during the during the uh, communist era in Poland where sometimes there was incredibly tight censorship and sometimes there were periods where it was quite lax so for example before 1956 when stalin was still alive all of the uh, uh socialist communist countries they had incredibly tight censorship and uh, and uh, culture was very restricted and then after that there was a period when there was a lot of freedom so the, the late 50s and early 60s in Poland are actually very interesting and loads of interesting and pioneering stuff came out but but then another another new minister came in and then suddenly there was all this censorship yet again and and it it, it went in these sort of waves and then when this uh, this guy came in Wilhelmi I think his name was he immediately decided like he wanted to make a name for himself and to make a name for himself by by controlling people rather than letting them flourish and uh he decided that he said that the film was uh too expensive uh and waste of money and that oh we could have paid for two schools uh f- with this money by now yeah because Poland was also in an economic crisis yeah it was an, it was an economic crisis but the thing is it it's not really a good argument because when you've already sunk all all this money into the production of something what you should do is just you just say like oh i want you to change the script so it's about something that i like do you know if you if you're in that level of control you can kind of do that but he did he was just he just wanted to annoy his predecessor and he cancelled the whole thing and they uh, were told to destroy uh, everything and just uh, destroy the film destroy the costumes the props Uh, which was which they didn't do which they didn't do uh, they well they, yeah so the costumes uh because they at the time they they're on the beach in uh in Weber I think it was I can't remember now but in the, in the Baltic Sea 
and there was there was just too many costumes because you know uh, uh, if you remember the film there's all these f- war films war scenes mm. uh, on the on the beach you know there's there's tons and tons of costumes hundreds of people they didn't have you know but seeing as they didn't have any have any money anymore for anything they didn't have any money to to move this stuff anywhere so they just buried it in the beach under the sand because <laughs> it was you know, that was the cheapest way of getting rid of it just bury it um, and they but some stuff was salvaged. Uh, thankfully, because the crew were incredibly passionate about it. Because after a few days after the film was cancelled, they wrote a letter. Everybody in the entire crew signed it, saying like, "Please don't do this. This is a terrible mistake." You know, uh, we because they'd already completed eighty percent of it. Mm. So it's it's kind of it's really stupid at that point. Why why cancel um, it? Andre was kind of kicked out of the country again, uh, well, invited to leave. Yeah, he well he was. Um, if I remember correctly, he was told. When he found out, he he basically just started crying, and then he said something about. Uh, can I swear? I don't know. <laughs> okay, uh, well, uh, he said like they they treat me like dog shit, yeah. kicking me around like dog shit. Uh, so he, and then he just drove off, um, and I can't remember if he, I think he maybe got an offer to. I think I'm trying to remember the time period, but uh, yeah, he went to France. Yeah, he was really disappointed. He was broken, the, broken. I think is the word. And I word. think that kind of inform like uh, his next film which is the infamous uh, Possession yeah. uh, like were you aware of you know this film also uh, growing up because uh, you know the whole uh, video nasties uh, debacle yeah I know this is the thing I never really thought about it as a video nasty because I thought of video nasty as you know Sam Raimi's Evil Dead and things like that uh, and I thought of Possession as a sort of, uh, you know, it's a European film. So, you know, that, that makes it arty. <laughs> so, and also, uh, I think um, somebody got a can. Was it I, somebody? Was it the... Uh, it wasn't... The, it got some sort of can, I think, in 91. It was nominated for a can. I might mm. be confusing things. But, you know, but, but in general, it was very well respected. So I don't, I don't think it was treated like, like a lot of, you know, video Nazis, like, this is pure trash. I think it was treated as supposed to be artsy. But yeah, then, but many people just, uh, you know, came to the movie just because it had a fame of being, like, gross, and, you know. Oh, yeah, but uh, but I feel bad for those people who went there expecting to, to say, oh, it's a film about a romance, <laughs> you know. Oh, I'm sure that would be nice. Uh, yeah, so we don't obviously we don't want to spoil the film for people, yeah. but we should definitely definitely see Possession. That is that is yeah, it's it's really good on its own. It's a seminal film, mm-hmm. I, and also it's very influential. I think a lot of Andrzej's work is very influential with Polish filmmakers today. I mean, I was watching. Uh, uh, they have an adaptation of a book by Jakub Żulczyk called Blinded by the Lights. It's on mm-hmm. HBO in Poland. It's a really it's a really the book is great and the adaptation is really great but throughout the the, the director Skonyechna he's uh, he's what he's done is he's there are scenes which, which you can see are just purely references to uh, Zhivovsky pure like references to possession there's references to uh, on the silver globe and you know this is this is the new generation this is the 21st generation and people are still being influenced and it's and in this popular I think it's you know becoming more popular now like he's becoming more respected yeah and, and i think a lot of that's also down to daniel yeah, daniel's efforts to, yeah. to promote him all over the place you know so um also can you talk about how the the on the silver globe got finished or rather it didn't go, get finished oh yeah so um near uh in near the end of the 80s when things you know there was another change of uh of uh ministers there was a change of ministers every so often and also in the late 80s uh, things were kind of softening up culture wise because i mean in 1989 
that's when uh, communism kind of ended in Poland. There was free elections in June 1989 uh, or July 1989, I forgot, in the summer of 1989 anyway. Uh, but already in 1980, I think they were trying to loosen up a bit on the cultural things. And, and, and then the, the ministry came and offered Andrzej uh, the opportunity to finish the film. And he said, uh, it's been 11 years. This is kind of stupid because, you know, uh, 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 he said, you know, oh, you know, all the men are now bald and fat. All the women have had babies. You know, it's there's, there's all. You know, people what, have di- died. Yeah, people have died. You know, how can how can I complete this film? So, so what he did uh, with Andrzej Laroszewicz, the cameraman, and uh, other people, they decided to fill in the missing scenes with shots from uh, from uh, Poland of 1988, and just have uh, a narration of what was supposed to happen in the scene. The and and it, it works very well actually, because uh, these uh, all these shots are actually references to stuff that was missing. So, for example, there's a scene missing uh, in the uh, in the beach where where I think when the conqueror arrives, and it's all set on the beach where he arrives, and just before the war happens. Uh, and this was so it should have been shot on the beach. And the missing footage is a close up of a shop uh, that was the local village where they were filming. So that's why they felt they they chose that as a shot. Another thing is when when the, in the later part of the film, where you have all this all these insane shots of a, a, a streets filled with trash. That was a real place. That wasn't a movie set. That was Krakow's Kazimierz district, which is now very like hip and everybody likes to visit Kazimierz. But the time was very derelict. And what they did was in the film they they filmed uh, they they basically asked all the residents if it was okay and then they filled the entire street with just pure rubbish just rubbish from all over the city and because uh, um, they needed if they wanted to finish filming those scenes they mm. weren't they couldn't go back 11 years later and ask again yeah. because i think the people that still live there said we remember how it was 11 years ago you're not filling this street with rubbish again how dare you and, um, w- and what he did was they 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 just shot just down those same streets you know and just filled it and put it in the same place and obviously it's very sad that you know the film couldn't get finished and you know very traumatic for everybody but i think it makes it a very special film like it kind of incorporates the story of the film inside the narrative of the film. I I find yeah. it really touching the way it was yeah, put together after. I think I think it's very much a meta film, you know. Uh, it, even the, when the narration starts, it actually has a shot that they did film where the, of the horseman uh, walking uh, going through the snow and and the narrator says already like you're watching a film that is partly from 1970 partly from 1988 and this is just how it is and he's already uh, letting you know and this is why you know Andrzej never treated it as a as a as a film in itself he, he treated it as you know just something that happened and and uh, you know the fact that it gets shown now uh, I think, I think, but now I think audiences can really appreciate something like you said, like that it's a meta film to watch. It's almost about filmmaking itself, yeah. you know. It's not just, it's not just, uh, it's not just a story. It's not just a film, but it's about a whole period in history and and all this different personal stuff that happened. And again, the book from 1901, and you know, I, it's incredibly rich experience. I think. Yeah, I think, and um, you know, that last. That last shot of you know of Andre himself like uh, thanking the crew for you know their loyalty to the project. I think it's, it's one of the most affecting things that I've seen yeah. on a screen, especially if you go 
knowing the story. Like if you don't know, don't know what the film is about, maybe not. But if you know the story, it's really... I mean, the thing is, I would say if you're going to watch the film, it's worth knowing the story first because the dialogue is just <laughs> the most complicated in the world. It's just philosophical monologues. You know, nothing like the, the book is much more simple dialogues, but Andrzej decided he wanted to take that next level philosophical <laughs> and, and he made it. It's the most crazy script, I think, as well. Not just how it was shot. Everything about it is crazy. And, you know, even though it was an accident that they have to, you know, finish it like that it kind of makes a lot of sense with uh, his career because his movies are full of you know kind of breaking the fourth wall and yeah. you know showing the artifice so absolutely i think cosmos especially the most his last film was was very almost like one of the characters seemed like it was nj himself mm. sort of talking throughout That's, yeah it kind of reminds the other film of his that reminded me the most maybe was uh boris godunov Mm. Have you watched the Mm-mm. adaptation of the opera? Mm-hmm. It was also, it's this kind of apocalyptic feeling that it was also in uh, The Devil. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so. And, okay, we have some, uh, like, 10 minutes uh, left, uh, mm-hmm. so maybe we can talk about some other projects of yours, like, you know, Culture PL. Okay, yeah, so I work with uh, Culture PL, which is, um, and we do a bunch of different projects. Uh, about uh, helping promote Polish culture. Um, as you can tell from the story that we've just discussed, there's lots of very interesting things <laughs> in Polish culture. Um, yeah, you can read a lot about uh, Andrzej Julawski on the on the website. Too. Yes. You have a lot of yes. even uh, articles uh, written by Daniel Berg. Yes, yeah. Daniel Daniel himself has contributed a couple of things. He's still he's he's uh, contributing uh, every so often when he has time in between his running around the world. <laughs> Uh, but we have we we discuss you know interesting stuff not just from film but literature music visual arts everything also sort of uh, historical stuff because like like I tried to explain earlier that you know the Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth story about how Poland disappeared you know uh, we we created a whole guide about that called Where Is Poland so now if you Google <laughs> anybody Poland, if Google's Where Is Poland you know if they oh I don't know where that is but they actually get like one of the second results in Google is our guide mm. to this in- crazy period in history. Because uh, that's the other theory. Poland move around a bit. Yeah, Poland's, Poland now is not the same. Po- Poland's borders moved so much. I mean, you know, there's a there's a really uh, famous quote. Well, a, a quote that I think is should be very famous, which is uh, that uh, the history of national borders in in continental Europe is the history of uh, gangs of bandits becoming too exhausted to kill each other anymore and signing a treaty. <laughs> uh, and that's a, that's very much what happens, you know, in the throughout Central Europe. But uh, also we have uh, another th- another important project that we have is we recently released a book. It's coming to Amazon soon. It's called Quarks, Elephants and Pierogi, uh, Poland in 100 <laughs> words. And it's all about, it's a very richly illustrated book, uh, illustrated by Magdalena uh, Burdzinska. And it's all about taking uh, uh, words, uh, Polish words, and then exploring the history and culture of Poland through etymology and all these very surprising facts. It, it can come across as like a book that's perfect for somebody who knows nothing about Poland. But pe- Polish people, they pick it up. Well, the first, some of the older Polish people, they'll pick it up and go, oh, pierogi, oh, I don't know about that. Uh, but because, you know, it's a popular kind of food. Uh, but when they actually open it, they'll find facts that is completely, they don't even know about. We, we try to make it, in depth very in depth so it, it it it's it's appealing to sort of uh casual readers and also people who are looking for something to to learn something they've um, never heard that's about when is that coming out uh it should be on amazon by the end of april but we keep having dis- unusual discussions with the distributor so hopefully but I will, you, I will let you know Laura. yeah are you gonna maybe 
have allowance. You should have allowance. Uh, have a what? Sorry? Allowance for the book. Oh, an, al an allowance. Al launch. Sorry, a, a launch. an event. <laughs> oh no. Oh yeah, a launch. Yes, yeah, yes. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, um, we are going to have a launch. Uh, the Inst a Polish Institute in London is helping us organise that. Uh, and uh, I think it might be in Clapham Library, I think. Uh, that's exclusive information there. Uh, but I'll let you know when that's happening. I think that's happening uh, in a couple of months or so. But uh, but another important thing that we do is a podcast called Stories from the East and West, which is something I'm very proud of. Uh, yes, how did that come to be? Is it, uh, you know, related to culture? PR? Yeah, so uh, so we, me and Wojtek Oleksiak, we started the podcast a couple of years ago in culture because we were very adamant that there needed to be audio as, as part of what culture did. Not just we were doing video and articles, but now we wanted to do audio as well. And we changed uh, things. So he used to be an author and I, ch I, was, I was in charge of the budget and I changed it so that he was a an audio maker and and we've been experimenting since then with making audio and we we've it's basically about bringing interesting stories from the region poland mainly but also other countries uh about stories that were just really surprising uh for example we have one about this massive painting that was hunted by the nazi germans and how it was uh, hidden underground uh, we also have a story about uh, this very uh, significant female climber who broke all these world records. Climbing the Himalayas was incredibly inspiring. We also have uh, a story about uh, a CIA spy, uh, Polish, who was actually a Polish general, and he and he was one of the he he supplied some of the most documents ever in the Cold War. He was one of the most significant spies for the CIA. We have his story how we escaped from Poland uh, once they f found out who he was. You have like um, two seasons of uh, yes, episodes? Yes, two seasons. Uh, there's about 25, 26 episodes, um, and, they're, and they're all available everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Stitcher. Uh, Stitcher, of course. <laughs> uh, we're actually featured on Stitcher's front page. Mm. We had uh, yeah the, uh, the painting episode and also one about uh, alchemy, the guy a guy who discovered oxygen in 16th oh, yeah, century. Yeah, I fun. listened to that like last night and it was really interesting, oh, the I'm alchemy glad, one. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. But yeah, we also have, we're doing a mini-series later this year about the transformation in 1989 uh, from communism to capitalism and about these personal stories. Um, and that's going to be hopefully out in a couple months or so. Okay, so I think that's all. Like... Um, Thank you very much. Sarah, thank you. Thank you so here. much for having me. Hopefully, because on the Silver Globe, unfortunately, it's not available on Blu-ray. <laughs> like it should be at some point, the yeah. restoration. So, um, so, but if any of the of our listeners have the chance to sit on the biggest screen, like buy a you ticket know, immediately if you get that chance. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, it actually got sold out at the horse hospital, and Both. they had to do an extra screen because you know. Yeah, and that second screen got sold out got as sold well. Out, so. Yeah, yeah. So okay, thank you very much, Adam. Um, thank you. This has been Sweet Two One Two. I'm Lara Alonso Corona, your host, and we will be back next Monday. This program has been brought to you by Resonance One Hundred Four Point Four FM. If you liked what you heard and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm.